from the Skyline Studio. WGN Radio presents a conversation. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. A dialogue. What are you prepared to do? An astute debate. Everything that's in the law. And a peek behind the curtain of politics. And then what are you prepared to do? I think Chicago is not only the center of the country, I think it's the center of the world. Don't tread on them. Where did this statement come from? This is the Sunday Spin. Your host is the Chicago Tribune's Rick Pearson. Good evening, everyone. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune, and welcome to this edition of the Sunday Spin for March the 22nd, 2020. It's an abbreviated version due to the president's uh, press conference this evening on the coronavirus. We're going to try to pack a lot in here in the limited time we have. Uh, apologies first to Dan Montgomery, president of the Illinois Federation of Teachers. Wanted to talk to him about uh, issues regarding teaching students at home uh, with the schools closed. We're going to have him on next week's show. So we'll uh, thank you, Dan, for uh, your understanding with that. And we're going to go right into the show now. We had planned a uh, hour-long roundtable on the election results. We don't have an hour. So I will welcome to the show Bob Sector, editor at Crane's Forum, and Brian Bernadoni, managing partner and founder of Aurelius Public Affairs, uh, which is a lobbying firm. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, a lot to talk about. And perhaps maybe we should just start out with the fact of the, the controversy over whether the election should have been held at all. I mean, I don't think the controversy is over whether the election should have been held. It's whether it should have been held last Tuesday. Um, And, uh, um, you know, you can second-guess this all you want, but but, uh, it's a big uh, logistical problem to to just uh, a day or two before you're supposed to uh, vote um, say, now forget it, we'll do it uh, sometime in the future. It certainly depends on perspective, though, doesn't it, Rick? If if you're Marine Newman, um, you're pretty excited about the results. Um, if you're Tony Preckwinkle, you're very excited that you got Kim Fox over over the top. But if you're Dan Lipinski and you rely heavily on senior voters, yeah, kicking it probably would have been a better idea than most. So it, I think it's a matter of perspective. But I, I agree that the logistics of moving the election would have manifested some of the election day problems that they had regardless. Well, and and I kind of view it as, uh, you know, democracy still needs to move forward. And there was not an acceptable way to, uh, despite the complaints of the Chicago Board of uh, Elections, uh, there was not an acceptable legal way to try to maneuver this in a different way. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting, we, we heard arguments about, well, they, you know, elections went ahead during World War II, uh, during the Civil War, all of which is true. Um, the reality is, is that we've never had conditions quite like this before, where, where you know, just congregating amongst a, a bunch of people could be a danger, especially to election judges who tend to be older. Um but it was it was a difficult call. I mean, to, to second guess and, and finger point, um, uh, you know, against the governor because he wanted to go ahead with the with the election is a is a little you know is a little rich. I mean, you know, he he would have been damned if he did and damned if he didn't. I think I think we're going to be saying this, Rick, about a lot of things in the coming months. 
what, whatever the protocols that we had um, before Tuesday are, are gone. And the new normal is something that's going to be uh, a hybrid of, of, of good ideas and bad ideas uh, until we find solid ground again. All right. Well, let's let's take a quick run through the election results. Obviously, starting with the Democratic uh, presidential uh, vote here in Illinois, uh, Joe Biden, 59, Bernie Sanders, 36. I don't think there's any real surprise there. And uh, I kind of, you know, going through some of the limited exit polling, it seemed to me that in this time of uncertainty, it was even more so a vote for Biden, just of kind of who you know, somebody you know, and, and not necessarily a time for uh, for a revolution. The difference yeah, a little well, higher just, in the suburbs. Oh, go ahead, Bob. No, I was just going to say, what's interesting about it is that, is that right now we're arguing about this enormous bailout package, um, which contains a lot of the elements of uh, of uh, socialism that uh, you know we're on Bernie Sanders uh, agenda so we're you know we we don't particularly want him uh overseeing it but you know uh, we, we kind of like what he was talking about I think again we're we're in an unusual time. Uh, one of the things I was I was going to note was Biden did a little bit stronger in the suburbs than he did in the city, but uh, it wasn't much. But it, it's still a difference that the further you get out, the further you're out of the the city core, uh, the stronger Biden gets. But but to the point Bob Bob has raised, I think it's still coming going to come down to. How do we pay for everything? And the crisis, that while we're in the crisis and while even what the president had to say today is that we need to shore up, uh, we need to shore up the health system and we need to shore up business, ultimately there's a price tag attached to everything and it'll be interesting the further we get away from the crisis, what that reconciliation looks like. And we'll see if, if everyone is as supportive of things as they were moving forward. Yeah, because right now it's just let's throw everything at it. And uh, as the president said, well, you know, when we get to the other side, there's going to be this great uh, economic uh, uptick of, from pent-up demand and all of that. But uh, I don't know that anybody's looking that far out at this point. This is, you've got to remember, this is the same guy who said that his tax cuts were going to juice the economy and they would pay for themselves. So uh, you've got to take that with a grain of salt. All right. Well, let's 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 look at the congressional uh, results real quick. And so, uh, Brian, as you mentioned about Marie Newman defeating eight-term Democratic Congressman Dan Pinsky in the Southwest and the South Suburban Third District, um, we also had uh, in a close uh, contest out in the Northwest and West Exurban uh, Republican primary. Uh, where we had uh, Jim Oberweiss winning narrowly uh, with about uh, a quarter of the vote there to challenge uh, Lauren Underwood, the first-term Democrat. And then in the 6th District, uh, West and Northwest Suburban, uh, Jeannie Ives, the former state rep, the unsuccessful Republican governor candidate, winning that primary to take on freshman Democrat Sean Caston. One thing I'm curious about in, in your mind is, in this atmosphere that we're in, things like how are we going to pay for stimulus packages and how many are we going to need, that 
the, whether the fundamentals of the campaign have changed from just simply, well, if you're a Republican, that means you're a rubber stamp for Trump, and if you're the Democrat, well, you're just a socialist, into, in this kind of a uh, uncertain time, uh, who is best to be a leader in Washington? I mean, that's, that's, that's a very interesting question, how it changes the dynamics of the argument. We've got Republicans, not just, you know, not just uh, the, the particular candidates here, but Republicans who opposed the stimulus under Obama now backing this even bigger stimulus uh, under, uh, you know, under Trump. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to hear, uh, you know, the Jeannie Iveses of the world or, or the Jim Oberweises of the world um, uh, talk about the need for austerity and frugalness. It may be interesting to see if both sides have to develop a plan to pay because the, the check is already written. And the money's going to need to the money's going to need to come somewhere. And uh, the most developed plans are going to be the more interesting ones. And I think everyone's going to have to have a presentation of how things are going to get paid. It's not, I don't think it's going to be as simple as a uh, a yes or no because frankly they're going to have some kind of bipartisan bill get through. So everyone's going to have to wear the hat on this one. One of the races that uh, I think is also going to rise up. Um, is going to be an interesting downstate race uh, where we have Londrigan going up against Rodney Davis again. Um, that that's that's should, the that's the thirteenth uh, uh, congressional district around Springfield Central and East Central Illinois. Uh, Rodney Davis, who uh, narrowly won re-election uh, two years ago over Democrat Betsy Dirksen Londrigan, uh, this is the rematch of of that fight in Central Illinois. There's some really good races in here, but I, I, I would urge all the candidates to not look past their opponents in this one um, because of the uncertain times that we're in and, and to have really formed up plans. I think uh, the primary victories um, are, especially in Newman's race, where she really ran on a, on a rather narrow section of issues, she's going to have to expand them and show depth. Uh, and for Overweiss in particular, he's going to have to find his safe ground uh, considering what a bloodbath that primary was. Um, well, and, and you know, when you come into that, the fact, bloodbath, as I said, you know, he wins a seven-person race. He wins it with roughly 25% of the vote. Um, isn't there some unification that he has to try to do in that? Without a doubt, you've got to try and you've got to shore up your camp and bring everyone together. And there, I, you know, I think it's again the the parallels between Overweiss and Newman are interesting. That you have to uh, really on on Newman's part try and push her way a little bit towards the middle because I really don't think the the district is as liberal as she she may have implied, especially last week uh, on the Sunday spin. And as far as Overweiss goes, he's going to have to figure out how to embrace 75% of the Republican public that didn't want him in that district. Uh, there's the, the one thing that you'll find in both of those races are is there is a distinction between both uh, the Republicans and Democrats in that. So finding that middle ground may not be as difficult, but still it's an important thing because turnout's going to matter as always. 
What about in the uh, 6th District, uh, the one where Sean Caston defeated uh, veteran Peter Roskam two years ago, a district that had always been a, a, a Republican district, actually went uh, for uh, Hillary Clinton in the presidential uh, by, I think, seven percentage points. And uh, now you've got Jeannie Ives, who uh, is uh, conservative and uh, always controversial. That's a, yeah, she's a great district. Oh, go ahead, Bob. <laughs> yeah, she's, 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 when she was in the legislature, she was a real fire breather. And, um, and, um, and she came close to a couple years ago, uh, knocking off Bruce Rauner in the Republican primary, but then, uh, essentially blew it because she went too far. And, um, and she just turned off, uh, Republican voters just enough to keep uh, uh, Rauner in in the race, and that's going to be the interesting thing: is can she uh, can she discipline herself enough um, to uh, to not go too far, to not scare people off, and. Um, you know, we just don't know at this point. No, and that's certainly the way she has approached this campaign, unlike mm-hmm. the, the race for governor, is that uh, talking about uh, trying to, uh, you know, bring people together and cross the aisle for support, where the actual elements of her across the aisle reaching in Springfield were, were pretty limited, uh, basically dealing with uh, some reforms at the College of DuPage due to uh, some of the uh, shenanigans that were going on over there in their leadership. Um, DuPage County's not as Republican as it used to be, though, too. And I think that's something that Kasten will feel a stronger level of confidence to, and he's probably more closer to the middle out there. It really comes out to what the soccer moms of Naperville decide. And uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a race like that, that was the difference before. That was the, the concern that, uh, especially in Roscombe's race, uh, folks all of a sudden lost that mortgage interest deduction, state and local tax deduction. Um, there was a price to be paid. Now there's a new bill on the table with all the relief packages that are out there. And it'll be interesting how Kasten validates that that was the right thing to do. The other thing I think you have to think about, this is really going to be a nationalized election. So local issues are not going to be as important in that race as as the national issues, and uh, uh, you've got to think Illinois is trending ever more democratic, and and I suspect Trump is not going to do well in Illinois. So that's uh, that's going to help Caston um, and hurt Ives, especially if she wants to affiliate herself with Trump. Well, and, and, you know, even carrying that out to the 14th district, which, you know, I think they elected, uh, went for a Democrat once since the Civil War uh, out there. <laughs> when, I, when I look at McHenry County and, and those places and to have a Democratic representative there, and I'm not sure that the, the ideological and, and partisan change has occurred as much in 14 as it has in 6. Um, but, uh, I mean... When you when you have the, the, those seven Republicans, only by the way, Brian, for your note at the Tribune editorial board, only one of the seven made note of the state and local tax deduction limit and wanting to increase it was not the one who won, even though the rest of them bemoaned the high property taxes, which of course, other than that deduction, the federal government really has nothing to do deal with. 
Just uh, just 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 a point of information for you. We're speaking with yeah. Brian, we're speaking with Ryan <laughs> Bernardoni, managing partner and founder of Aurelius Public Affairs, and Bob Sector, editor at Cranes Forum. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. This is the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Once again, here's Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson, and this is an abbreviated version of the Sunday Spin uh, following the White House press conference uh, update on the coronavirus. We're speaking with Bob Sector, editor at Crane's Forum, and Brian Bernadoni, my friend, managing partner and founder of Aurelius Public Affairs, uh, making quick work here as we go through the results of the March primary and what that may foretell for uh, the elections in the fall. Uh, moving things locally, obviously the uh, biggest race locally in Cook County, the state's attorney's race, where Kim Fox uh, won renomination, if not re-election, uh, despite uh, a concerted and expensive effort uh, from Bill Conway. Uh, also in the race were Bob Fioretti and Donna Moore. Um, I kind of had a feeling she was going to win this one, guys. Hey, no, I'm Tony Cunningham. I'm, I'm one of the happiest people on the planet. Um, Tony Preckwinkle was able to get Kim Fox over the over the top, despite all that money that was spent, and despite you know what I would say, if you want to be pragmatic, a very aggressive tone, or otherwise you could say a very nasty tone uh, of the entire election that she won uh, by the amount she did. Um, it was over fifty percent of the vote. Is 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 something nothing short of remarkable. So President Preckwinkle had a great day on that day, getting at least Kim Fox over the top. Uh, no, I, I mean I agree. I said she she won very easily. So um, you know it it also shows that you can have all the money in the world, but you know it, it still may not beat uh, name recognition and uh, and incumbency. And, I mean, this to me kind of was an interesting race because, yes, certainly all the attention about uh, Jesse Smollett and how her office handled that, uh, but at the same time how uh, she had the support, overwhelming support from kind of that progressive uh, wing of the Democratic Party, not just kind of, it was not a total establishment wing Democratic Party kind of issue here, obviously when you had uh, establishment Democrats that didn't even put her on the palm card like uh, Mike Madigan. It's hard when you when you, you expect to win a race uh, with the help of an organization and parts of the organization go rogue. But that's almost a segue to what happened in a couple of the committeemen's races, where some of these races showed that there's there are much more strains of independent voting going on than some would want to admit. And one of those victims, I think, was 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 Ed Burke. Um, there's some a few other races where you saw. Uh, incumbent committeemen up against the wall, and a couple races where strong local incumbents like uh, Iris Martinez all of a sudden sneaks past all the organizations and becomes uh, the heir apparent to the clerk of the circuit court. So there were some surprises in there and strong indicators that there's a lot of slow, fat, lazy organizations out there that just have forgotten the old ways to win an election and weren't uh, ready for the new ways that were coming very, very quick. 
Well, Brian, I was going to mention about uh, State Senator Iris Martinez winning the uh, uh, Democratic nomination uh, and is the assumptive heir uh, as uh, Cook County Circuit Court Clerk to Dorothy Brown, even though she was not the county Democratic organization's endorsed candidate. And uh, Iris Martinez is part of the Cook County Democratic organization. Iris's performance was amazing. Um, even though her commercials, if you watch them, didn't even slate her as running for the right office. There was a right. the, the screen the screen showed that she was running for clerk of the circuit court, but the voiceover said she was running for clerk. Iris Iris is, uh, you know ran a uh, a very interesting campaign, but it, those are the kind of races that ward organizations come out. She won very handedly her committeeman's position as well, and she's she's still formidable. She's, a, she's got a strong ballot name, um, considering the slate of candidates that were there, and um, that's one of those things where where a victim gets involved. And Mike Cubinarji ran a ran a solid campaign, but. Um, I think it's unfortunate that we show as Italian Americans a track record of not being able to get into the higher slots. Mike will still remain at the Board of Review, but um, it, it's, having an Italian last name in this in this state is a is still a problem for many candidates to get across the top. Bob, I, I, since, you than, have, since you don't have an Italian last name, I do not have an Italian last name. I have an Ellis Island name, but. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but what I think is interesting, she's going to she's going to take over that position uh, starting at the at the end of this year, and uh, it's the, the the circuit clerk's office is a mess, and most people don't realize what it does or how you know or, or how screwed up it is. Um, but it's a very important position, and because of the financial crisis we're in, it's going to be really interesting to see how she's going to get the money she needs to overhaul that office. Gentlemen, I think, uh, Bob, you just hit on something. This is something we're going to be watching, uh, on, frankly, for a while now. What are the financial effects, state and local, on our, our governments and the economy because of the coronavirus. Bob Sector, editor at Cranes Forum, and Brian Bernadoni, managing partner and founder of Aurelius Public Affairs. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks. That was a tough act to follow, by the way, you know. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for listening to our abbreviated edition of the show. Next week, we'll uh, have Dan Montgomery, president of the Illinois Federation of Teachers, who was supposed to be on, but uh, we got cut short, as well as Rob Carr from the Retail Merchants and Mark Densler from the Manufacturers Association.